Welcome to an Impact Ministries production, brought to you by Impact Ministries World Changers, changing the way the world sees God. Learn how you can become a world changer today by visiting www.impactministries.com. Now, here's your host, founder of Impact Ministries and developer of Heart Physics, the self-development programs that have changed thousands of lives around the world, Dr. Jim Richards. Hey, I'm Jim Richards. Welcome to the broadcast today. You know, we started last week, 2020, New Year, and we want to take you on a journey where you can do exactly what Jesus taught us, and that is how to have life at its fullest. You know, every week I remind you of this. Jesus came that we might have life, and we might have it abundantly, or some translations say to the fullest. God wants us to enjoy the same quality of life that Jesus enjoyed, the peace in his heart, the connection with God, the connection to people around him, making your life count. And so everything we do every single week is about that. Well, here is the New Year's, and people are making resolutions. As we discovered last week, making a resolution that you don't have the capacity to follow through on can really be destructive. It can be destructive to your heart in so many ways. It can affect your self-confidence. It can affect your faith. And sometimes it even cause you to blame God when really you know, God is never the problem. But... We, we talked about it. If you haven't listened to last week's broadcast, you might want to go back and listen to it just to kind of get yourself on track because I want to have you, I want to take you on a journey so that by the time we get to the end of January, rather than making a resolution on January the 1st that you have broken, you know, by the 20th, I would like for you to wait about making a resolution until the end of January when you've got the tools and the resources to, to be able to uh, make a resolution that actually leads you to life, that leads you to success, that leads you to the outcome that you, that you want to have. Now, stop and think about this. Whenever you make a resolution, you are making a decision. And you're making a decision usually because you're at a crossroads in life. Now, you may not think you're at a crossroads. You may say, you know, I'm just, I just want a better life. I, just, I, I want to lose more weight. I want to be healthier. I want to get out from under financial pressure. I want to have a better marriage, wh whatever. But the real truth is that that always brings you to a crossroads. And when you stand at a crossroads and you've got a goal set before you, one thing that you, one of the things you're going to do is you're going to determine what path am I going to take uh, to reach this goal? Now, the Bible tells us in the book of Proverbs, it says there, there is a way that seems right. And I want to help you be able to look past what seems right so that you can discover what really is right. So that you can choose the path that when you get to the end of that path, you will be connected to God you will reach your destination. Your life will not be messed up. It's really interesting. The book of Proverbs, which is the book of practical application, the book of Proverbs tells us that the blessing of the Lord makes rich and he adds no trouble with it. Now, some people don't believe that God wants you to prosper. Some people don't believe God wants you to have a, even have a good life. So 
you know, however you define rich, whether you say rich in spiritual things, rich in material and spiritual things, rich in relationships, it really doesn't matter because that word really in the Hebrew is bigger than, bigger than just monetary richness. But, but here's the thing. You could, you could say it this way. God always brings us to a success and to a fulfillment. And doing it his way, there is never any trouble that comes with it. You know, sadly... Uh, in this thing of making resolutions, or because they just making decisions, making new choices, um, one of the problems, the first problem, which, which we already talked about, is if we don't see it through to the end, we will lose confidence. Secondly, if we've started and quit a lot of things, we're going to struggle with the courage to even make new decisions. And when we do, at the first sign of hardship, we're going to come up with some excuse to bail out and to quit. Uh, in a way that makes us feel like we don't have to accept responsibility. You know, when Brenda and I first got married, and many of you know this, some of you have heard me talk about, you know, our story. Well, you know, I, I had this kidney disease and was in and out of the hospital. I'd had multiple surgeries um, by the time we got married. I've had several surgeries since we've been married. And so I had this, these massive doctor bills and and not only were the, you know, not only were the hospital and doctor bills, but bills for special medication, all, all this kind of stuff. And so, so you know, we were, we were facing some incredible financial challenges. And, and finances were, sickness and finances were basically uh, uh, robbing us from being able to actually live life to the fullest. And so we... We had to make some decisions about the path that we were going to take. What's the journey we're going to make? How are we going to walk this road to finding freedom from this monumental debt? Now, something that's really interesting, and uh, I, you know, I don't have time to go into all of it today, but I did not get into financial trouble through the mismanagement of funds. I did not get into financial trouble because I was unwilling to work. I did not get into financial trouble because I was unskilled. I did not get into financial trouble really by any reckless living or careless, irresponsible spending. Now, <clears throat> the bad thing about that is, in the back of my mind, I had an excuse for being broke. And it was a legitimate excuse. You know, that's the worst kind of excuse. You know, an excuse that is not even legitimate Eventually, you can kind of see your dysfunction, and eventually, you can kind of realize, man, alive, I am. This is so stupid. But when you have a very legitimate reason, you know, I, I didn't even mismanage my health to get sick. I was born I had a, with a congenital kidney uh, disorder that ultimately led almost to my death when I was 28 years old. And uh, so, when you've got a legitimate reason for being in a bad situation, it makes it easier for you to accept the limitations of that particular situation. And so I was able without guilt to accept the financial limitations that were on mine and Brenda's life, affecting our marriage, affecting our children, affecting our future, affecting our destiny. Now, I'm not saying that I want it to stay there. I'm not saying that uh, I didn't uh, uh, 
desire and, and that I wasn't seeking God about coming out of it, but I, I still had an excuse for being there. Well, you know, having an excuse for, for being in a bad financial situation like that, it, it's almost like saying, okay, God is my father. He has provided all these resources for me um, and he's given them to me freely and he's shown me how to access them. Uh, but I still have an excuse for not being here. No, I don't. It doesn't matter how legitimate the excuse is. Based on what God's done in Jesus, I have no excuse for staying in the curse. I have no excuse for living outside of the realm of the promises other than the real truth is what I believe in my heart. And so, you know, I had to really deal with some heart issues in order for Brendan and I to come out of just these dire situations and to provide the, the life that, that I wanted. So it really, it doesn't matter if you're dealing with money. It doesn't matter if you're dealing with health. It doesn't matter if you're dealing with marriage. It doesn't matter if you're dealing with the kid. No matter what you're dealing with, um, if you have had if you've quit a lot in the past, I want you to know you, one of your greatest temptations is when you come up on a challenge, you're going to come up with an excuse as to why it's, it's, it's all right to quit. It's justified to quit. It's unreasonable for you to expect to be able to get out of your situation. And you will talk yourself into quitting and, and convince yourself that you can feel good about, you, about yourself. And you know what? You probably can feel good about yourself. The problem is it's still affects your heart. You know, I used to tell my kids this, and I'm, I'm sure I drove them crazy with it. I said, look, everything you start, if you do not see it through, that every time you, you, you start and stop, it erodes your confidence. And the bad thing is, is, is so many things that seem so unimportant uh, that we quit on. They really are kind of unimportant, but quitting starts to get comfortable for us. And so before long, we come up against a challenge that is, is life-threatening or a challenge that can affect our, uh, uh, you know, our marriage, our income, our future, our dreams, our calling, our destiny. And, and, and we have become comfortable with quitting. And suddenly we quit on something and our life takes a, a turn for the absolute worst. Now, when you, when you are making a decision... When you're deciding that you're going to go in a different direction, actually, that really is a form of repentance. Any, anytime you make a decision to do something differently, it's, it's really a form of repentance. Now, now, sadly, religion has made repentance seem like a big mystical religious experience where you beat yourself down for doing things wrong and, you know, da-da-da-da-da-da, and you, you feel shame and, and you cry and you have tears. And, well, none of that really necessarily, that's not repentance. That may be present with repentance if you feel remorse over what you've done. But changing your mind and repenting doesn't mean you're really turning to God's path. It doesn't really mean you're turning to God's process. I will never forget, as a new believer, reading this scripture in 2 Corinthians 7, 
Uh, and, and I tell you, it just, it, it rattled my world. The Apostle Paul had written the Corinthians, a letter, challenged them about some of the really messed up beliefs that they were developing and, and, and accepting immorality as being all right. And somehow or another, by the grace of God, it didn't matter if you were immoral or whatever. And so he wrote them this letter and, and challenged them. And in, in 2 Corinthians 7, 8, the second letter that he writes, I mean, he says, For even if I made you sorry with my letter, I do not regret it. Though I did regret it at the time. In other words, I, I felt bad about doing it, but, but ultimately, by the way, these words regret may not be the same in the Greek. I don't really remember. But even though I might have written you, there's a part of me that I, 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 was, I was sorry that I had to do it, but I'm not sorry as far as the outcome that it can bring into your life. Now listen to this. He says, For I perceive that the same epistle, the same letter, made you sorry, though only for a while. Now I rejoice, not that you were made sorry, but that your sorrow led to repentance. For you were made sorrow in a godly manner, that you might suffer loss in nothing. For godly sorrow produces repentance, leading to the word salvation. That's not just the born again experience. It's anything about the life of God. It's anything about living in the, the kingdom of God, the realm of the promises of God. So he says this godly sorrow produced a repentance that led to salvation, not to be regretted or not to be repented of, but the sorrow of the world works death. Man, I'll tell you, it rocked my world uh, when I read this. I'm telling you, this was like after I'd been saved about a year and I was on one of those real long fasts where, you know, I'll just pull myself apart and just pray and read the word and meditate and seek God. And I'm telling you, something opened up inside me. And I started realizing that most of what we call repentance in the church world was not from godly sorrow. It was from the sorrow of the world. Now, stop and think about it. Everybody feels sorrow or feels regret for what they've done when they've been caught. Uh, everybody cries tears of maybe not remorse, but tears of shame when they get caught. Everybody, when, when the spotlight is on them and it is revealed how corrupt and how crooked their motives and their, and their intentions are, man, that, you know, they don't want to be caught they don't want to pay the price. They don't want to deal with the consequences of their actions. But that is not repentance. E even if they change their behavior, this change in behavior has come about from a worldly sorrow that has nothing to do with godly sorrow. See, repentance, the biblical concept of repentance, isn't just, even though it's a change of mind in its simplest form, it's not just a change of mind. It's a change of mind where you're leaning into God and you're changing your mind for the sole purpose of aligning your thoughts with God, aligning your beliefs with God, aligning your behavior with God, therefore aligning the outcome that you want with a godly outcome, an outcome where, where you're walking with God, you're connected to Him, you know, you, the Holy Spirit is moving in your life, you're, you, you are still full of faith, full of love, walking in righteousness. That, that, that's what repentance is. Repentance is where you just, and you know, repentance is not even just 
your reaction to, to when you realize you're doing something bad or evil. Repentance is a state of mind. It is an attitude that says, I am always open to God. I'm always leaning into God. I'm, all, you know, I'm making decisions constantly, but I'm always leaning into God. I want to know that the decisions I make are, are godly decisions. I want to know that, that they're going to keep me in the path of righteousness because in the path of righteousness is where the life is. And if I leave the path of righteousness, you know, God doesn't quit on me, but I leave the path where there's life. In this path of righteousness, there's life and there's no death. But you leave that path, God may be with you to comfort you. He may be with you to try you to draw you back onto the path of life. But until you come back to the path of life, you're over there in the briars and, the, and stumbling and the falling and hurting yourself and destroying yourself. So when you make a decision, anytime you're making a, a new decision, there's always repentance. But the question is not just have I decided I want to get out of the curse? But have I decided I wanted to enter into God's blessing? You know, it's one thing to want to be out of debt. It's another thing to want to live in the realm of God's provision. It's one thing to want to have a better marriage. It's a whole nother thing to want to be a loving spouse that, that knows how to support, encourage, and, and strengthen your mate. You know, it's one thing to, it's one thing to want to, uh, to succeed at business. It's another thing to want to be the kind of leader that influences people's lives and, 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 and helps people think and approach life in a more godly way. So we're talking about, we're, we're talking about not just making a resolution. You know, to, uh, you know a lot of people are going to make a resolution to lose weight. Let me ask you this. Make it, are you making a resolution to lose weight or are you making a resolution to be happy? I mean, healthy. You know, being healthy gets, is a whole lot. You know, losing weight can be about vanity. It can be about looking good. It can be about, it can be about uh, uh, attracting people to you. It can be about getting attention. Living healthy puts you in that realm, particularly when you're connecting to God, to where you can live your destiny. You can live your purpose. You've got the energy to, to do the things with God, for God, with your family, for your family. You know, that, that you, that these things that you want to do. So that's what the Bible tells us in Jeremiah 6, 16. I've talked about this verse on and off of the past few years. He says, he says, when you, he says, stand in the way and see. In other words, when you come to a pathway, when you are to a crossroads or a pathway, and in the Hebrew it's talking about a crossroads. When you come to a crossroads, it says, stand in the way and see. Now this concept, this word here for stand in the Hebrew is a meditative word. And it's talking about contemplating which one of these pathways, which one of these roads you're going to take. And as for the old paths, where is the good, the good way? And walk in it. And then you'll find rest to your souls. See, when you're looking at this, you're saying, okay, what are the old ways? He's talking about the ways that God has shown us how to walk. We're talking about, we're talking about God's tested and true and tried word. We're talking, about, we're talking about in those ways where the Holy Spirit has always led the godly. He says, he says, you want to stand and you want to ponder, you want to meditate, you want to consider whether this path that you're getting ready to choose is the path 
that, that's really going to bring rest to your soul? Is it the path that's going to make sure that at the end of this, you don't just get what you want, you get what you want healthily connected to God. You get what you want, full, you know, yield it to the Holy Spirit. You get what you want full of peace and joy and like, and like he said, like rest to your soul. So, so when we look at a path, I want you to understand something. The, pro, the process, and I, and I said this, I touched on this last week. We want to come to the place that before we begin to make our journey, we deal with the beliefs of the heart. The Bible presents a very interesting paradox when it says labor to enter into rest. Now the rest that the writer of the book of Hebrews is talking about is the rest called the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven. It's that realm where you surrender to the Lordship of Jesus and, and you experience all the resources of heaven. And so, so this rest is really where you're reaching that goal of the better life, that goal of a healthier life, that goal of a better marriage, that goal of being happier. And so there's a paradox in to do that is labor to enter into rest. Now, the laboring is not the earning of the prize. This is not legalism. God's not saying I want you to work really, really hard so that you can get the prize. So what is the labor? Well, in the context of Hebrews 3 and 4, where this is talking all about the rest, the, the labor is dealing with your beliefs, specifically your unbelief, your unbelief in the promises of God, your unbelief in, 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 in God's willingness and desire to provide for you, your, un, your unbelief that, that, that really this goal is even godly and God wants you to have it. So the labor that we do is to deal with the beliefs of our heart, to persuade our heart to believe the truth. Now, when we are fully persuaded in God's truth, then we enter into rest. And the amazing thing is in that rest, we find the heaven on earth we find the goal. We find the prize that, that we've been seeking it, but we find it and pretty much effortlessly. And really the finding of it, the bringing, it, the bringing about of it is effortless. The only thing that's not effortless is the process we go through to bring ourselves to believe God's word. Now, there is a process that we go through in persuading our heart. It doesn't matter if you're persuading your heart something good or something bad. And it doesn't matter uh, 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 what the goal is, you can persuade your heart, you can, you can develop beliefs of the heart um, that will take you somewhere destructive, or you develop beliefs of the heart that will take you somewhere where you enter into rest, where you enter into this whole new quality of life. Now, let me, let me just mention this. We've got, I've got a special offer for you uh, this, uh, this month. If you want to make this journey, I'm going to offer to you two of the tools that are the most powerful that you're going to use to put off old beliefs, destructive beliefs, put on new beliefs, but very specifically to take yourself down this pathway that will lead you to the kind of success that I'm talking about. One is wired for success and the other is um, limitless living. 
where it teaches you and, and just really doesn't so much, it takes you through heart, heart physics exercises that teach you how to remove the boundaries that you have placed on the quality of your life. Now, every person that, that purchases those two tools, I'm gonna to give you a free download of a third product called Moving Your Invisible Boundaries. I'm telling you, this is the primer. This is the core book for knowing how to develop your heart. And so these are the tools. You see, I can't just pray for you and you, and you get there. You are the only one that can change your heart. I can't change your heart. God can't even change your heart unless you choose it. And choosing it doesn't just mean, okay, God ch changed my heart. Ch God changing your heart is where you choose his process to bring this about. I want to talk to you about how we come to the place where we get these destructive beliefs, but I want you to realize something. On the outside, uh, this journey looks the same whether you're going down, a, whether you're developing a destructive belief or whether you're developing a, a, a healthy, godly belief. You know, when we first uh, have a situation, and I'm, I'm gonna capsulize this by the way, and next week I'm gonna go into it in great, great detail because there's so much application to this that we just, I can't cover it in one program. So, so here's what we do. When, when we first have something happen in, in our life, when we get a little pain in our body, we start facing some financial challenges or, or whatever, we experience those as stress or annoyances. Now. When we feel stress, remember we talked last week about how your heart is like a thermostat and you can drop beneath, you know, the character, the ethics, the morals that, that you really hold dear in your heart and that causes stress. Now, a lot of people think that stress is the Holy Spirit making you feel bad, convicting you. No, that's not what conviction is. That is your own conscious causing you to feel that way. And, and so your heart then is always trying to bring you back to your standard. Well, likewise, even if your life gets better than you think you deserve, you start feeling stress. Now, whenever we, whenever we have these annoyances, whether they're good or bad, if we don't do something about them, if, if I don't do something about overcoming the temptations that keep pulling me down, if I don't change those beliefs, or if I, don't, if, if I don't improve my beliefs so that when I succeed, I can have a better life and not feel guilty about it, then, then, then that stress comes. And so the only way I can survive is to stop noticing, stop paying attention to that. Now, you have authority over you. That's the one thing you've got authority over. And so uh, you are activating your authority when you deliberately, consciously make a choice, but you're also activating authority when you default to making no choice. So when you do not deal with the issues that cause you stress, you stop noticing them. And so over time, as you have stopped noticing them, basically you are looking for a way to be comfortable in life so you accept that these are there. That, that, you know, yes, this problem's there. Yes, my life is not getting any better or whatever. And then you enter into a stage of adaptation or adjustment where you start adjusting your life to cope with whatever this sin is that, that you keep falling into or adjust your life to cope with the fact that, that every time things get better, they fall apart. Every time things get better, they fall apart. Every time I make more money, something goes wrong. Now, 
After you go through this adaptation phase of learning how to live with it, you go into a justification stage, and the justification stage is where, is where you start looking for, for circumstances, uh, excuses, theo circumstance theology, any way that you can to justify being in that situation. Once you justify being in a situation, it starts being incorporated into your identity. This is who I am. I am the person that can't make over this much money for a year. I am the person that even though I love God, pursue God, I keep struggling with this temptation. This is who I am. Now, the moment something reaches that part of your identity, <clears throat> then you resist change. In other words, you will resist the teaching that would teach you how to prosper and enjoy it. That would expand the boundaries of your heart. You resist teaching that would teach you how to come out of that temptation. Why? Because to accept it would mean to die to self, even if it would make your life better or if it would make your life worse. Now listen, next week we're going to go into each of these. I'm going to show you how to break these down and use these to your benefit so you're going to always find the success that you want. Thanks for listening to the weekly Impact Ministries World Changers podcast with Dr. Jim Richards. If you like what you've just heard, we encourage you to share our web address, www.impactministries.com, with friends and colleagues. Be sure to check out the resources section of our website for previous podcasts and our videos. Join us next week for another great message by Dr. Jim Richards.